Philippians 1 and 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 6 says this, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. I want to talk to you again tonight. This will be the last, I believe, the last uh, lesson in this series. But I want to talk to you again about the power of love. Let's lift our hands and ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, I ask you tonight that you will come amongst us, that you will let the word tonight be mixed with faith. Let it produce the fruit that you desire it to produce. I pray, Father, that you will anoint me to speak and that you will anoint every one of us in this room to hear what the Spirit would say. Open our hearts to receive what you want us to receive. God, I pray that before this night is over, you will do many mighty works. I pray that tonight, before this night is over, that you will let an angelic host inhabit here and that you will cause things to happen in the Spirit God, I thank you so very much, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. And you can be seated. Thank you for standing. Uh, This is the fourth time that I have come to you on this subject of love. Uh, We talked about uh, checking our love level for a couple of weeks. We dove into 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and looked at the attributes of agape love. We did that for a couple weeks, and then last week we talked about the power of love. Uh, We mainly focused on the idea that perfect love casts out fear. That's powerful right there. That if we uh, have the perfect love of God, if we can comprehend and embrace the perfect love of God, we don't have to fear anything. That love rids us of fear. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Uh, But that's not the only power that love has. I'm going to talk about probably three things tonight, but I'll just talk about this one very briefly. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 8 says, And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. He says to have fervent charity among yourselves, not just, I love you, man. Not just kind of love in word only. Love you. But man, I, I really love you. I have self-sacrificial love for you. Agape love. I was praying today and I, I uh, was asking the Lord if, if love is so powerful... What is the opposite of love? I've heard people say that the opposite of faith is fear. I've never really thought about it, quite frankly, so I don't know if that's true. I haven't really studied it out. But I want to know, what's the opposite of love? Agape love. And this is what I believe is the opposite of love. The opposite of love is selfishness. The opposite of agape love is self-centeredness. Uh, and so if, 
we are commanded to have fervent charity amongst ourselves, that type of charity is a love that is self-sacrificing for the benefit of somebody else. And he's specifically talking about the church. Now, we've talked about that we should love our enemies. Somebody shake your head up and down like that. You can whisper to your neighbor, I don't like it, but, uh, but, but that's what the Holy Ghost is supposed to do on the inside of me. Don't forget that this is a supernatural thing that we're talking about. We're not talking about willpower. I'm going to love you. It is, God, I need you to help me to love more than I have ever done so before. But So we talked about loving your enemies, he says. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Uh, he, he talks about loving those that are unlovable. But then the scripture also instructs us that we should have fervent charity among ourselves. In other words, we should love the brethren. Oh, I thought somebody would shout amen about that. We ought to love one another. Because Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. From the fact that you can quote scriptures. Oh no, that's not what it said, was it, Brother Tommy? By, by the fact that, that you meet in a building that's got a steeple on top of it. That's how all men will know that you are... No, that's not how all men will... Here's how the world will know if we are disciples of Jesus Christ. It is if we have love one for another. If you are uh, talking, well, just if you're backbiting, if you're talking about your brother, if you're gossiping, if you're speaking negatively about people within the body of Christ, when people outside the body look at you, they don't think you're part of Jesus' body. This is how the world will know. If you are sincerely part of the body of Christ, you have love one for another. And, oh, while I'm parked right here, I'm just gearing up for lesson five. I thought there was only going to be four. This is what Peter said fervent charity would do. Love will cover the multitude of sins. He says, have fervent charity one toward the other. And here's what that charity should do. It should cover one another's sins. Because if I really love you, Sister Lindsay, I'm not out telling everybody what you've done wrong. If I really love you, I'm not going to bring up the flaws of your past to anyone else. I'm not even going to bring up the flaws of your present to anybody else. Because I love you and fervent love will cover the multitude of sins. Isn't that what His love does for us? Isn't that what His love did for us? He came and shed His blood. Why? So our sins would be covered. If we're part of His body, we're going to love His body so much that whenever Brother Pat, God forbid, does something wrong or slips up, I'm going to cover that because I love Him. And that's how people are going to know you're really one of Jesus' disciples is because you don't have anything negative to say about the body of Christ. Somebody shout and clap your hands unto the Lord. My God. Hey, that's the power of love. 
It will let people know what the true church is and where the true church is not. Because if we truly are operating and living in agape love, it's going to draw people to the true church. Amen. And so the power of love is it casts out fear. The power of love is that it will, it will reveal the body of Christ. The power of love is also linked to faith. And I know that I have mentioned this in times past, but I want to kind of deep dive into it a little bit. Uh, is this. He says in Galatians 5 and 6, For in Jesus Christ there's neither circumcision or uncircumcision. It doesn't avail anything. But faith, somebody say faith, which works by love. Amplified says it this way, for if, uh, let, me, let me skip down to the middle of the verse, but only faith activated and expressed and working through love. The word worketh, it means to be active, efficient. It's where we get our word energized. Faith, which is energized, and the word by there, it actually means the channel. Faith is energized and it flows through a channel called love. Now, if I wanted to be really corny and cheesy, I would have titled this message, The Love Channel. That's actually my title in the notes on my iPad. But I knew it wouldn't fly. Y'all just laugh. Faith is energized and flows via the channel of love or through a conduit. Love is the channel through which faith flows. Soak on that for a moment. My, I got to go back to, to lesson number one where we talked about that your level of love is not static. It is not fixed. It can grow. 1 Corinthians 14 and 1, the apostle says to follow after charity. That word follow after means to pursue after. Many places in the scripture talks about our love abounding. And so our love can increase. That tells me, Brother Josh, that if, our, if, the, if love can increase, it's going to have an effect on the amount of faith that we can operate in. Because faith flows through a channel called love. It's a conduit. Love is the conduit through which faith flows. My granddad, years ago, uh, he bought the Clifftop Schoolhouse. Does anybody know where the Clifftop Schoolhouse is? One person. Okay. You're not missing anything. But he had this great idea that he was going to turn the Clifftop School into a sewing factory. Now that was nearly 40 years ago. At that time there was multiple sewing factories in Greenbar County. I mean, people still know how to sew. 
but he was going to turn into a sewing factory. My dad said that uh, he wired the whole thing for sewing machines. There was going to be, I don't know how many stations of sewing machines. And it takes a lot of power to run all of those sewing machines. And so, Brother Anderson, my dad talked about whenever they ran the power into the building, that the, the cable, that the wire that they, the, the main wire that they brought in through to feed all of those machines, he said, in order to bend that cable, we had to hit it with a sledgehammer to bend it, just to get it around. He said, you know, it's a big old wire. Why did they have to use such a big cable? Because there was going to be a lot of power that had to flow through that big cable. You couldn't run it with, a, you know, your little uh, dollar store extension cord. It wouldn't work. It's going to get too hot. It's going to blow out. It's not, going to, not enough current can travel through there. So I had to have a big pipe, a big channel, a big conduit. If we want, how many want great faith? I don't want just little faith. I don't want small faith. I don't want just average faith. But I want what Jesus called great faith. If faith flows through love, I need to have great love so that the power can flow through me. Somebody say amen. Amen. Love activates faith. It's energized by faith. I read some of this. We're going to pray here in just a little bit. So don't get nervous. We're going to pray. Because I do believe God wants to do some things tonight. I believe that your love is going to activate faith. And we're going to pray for people that have walked away from God. And God's going to tug on them. I believe, I believe there's people that are sick in their body right now or have worries. God is going to touch you tonight because there's faith and love in this building. But... I want to share a couple things with you before I get there. It, it's an interesting study. Brother Jim, you would like this study. Get out your Strong's Concordance and look at the word compassion. Compassion is a feeling of deep sympathy or sorrow for someone who's stricken by misfortune. This is according to the dictionary. It's accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate suffering. And if you search for that word compassion, you will find that whenever Jesus was moved with compassion, something happened. I'll read a few scriptures to you. Jesus went forth, he saw a great multitude, and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Matthew 15, 32, this is the story of the feeding of the 4,000. It says, Jesus called the disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat and I will not send them away fasting lest they faint and then he divided some bread and he fed 4,000 why? because he was moved with somebody say it compassion Matthew 20 and 34 uh, there were blind men and it says Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and followed him Mark 1 and 41 there were lepers that came to him and it says Jesus was moved with compassion and put his hand on them and touched him and said, I will be thou clean. We talked about the widow of Nain uh, last week, but he was moved with compassion and he said to her dead son, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And then we get to the story of Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. And uh, it also has to do with compassion. It just amazes me when you study that, that Jesus was moved with compassion. You would think that 
you would, I would think, I don't want to put thoughts, I don't want to, you know, assign something to you, but I would think being the, the, the omnipotent God, knowing everything, he knows you're sick. But something about being in that proximity with that leper or that blind person or, or, or the, the hungry multitude, something happened on the inside of the Almighty God robed in flesh. And whenever he was moved with compassion, it activated the miraculous. And so we have the story of Lazarus and Martha and Mary, and I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to be done teaching here in just a minute, very soon. But you know the story, there's a messenger came to Jesus. Lazarus, your friend Lazarus is sick. And it says that, he abode still three days with his disciples. And I, I guess they, they must have been kind of whispering in each other's ear, you know, like, Lazarus is sick. How come we ain't going to see Lazarus? And, 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 and finally says, you know, hey, we should go see Lazarus. You know, he's, he's sick. And, and, and Jesus says, nah, he's not sick. He's, he's just sleeping. Well, if he's sleeping, what's, what's going on? And then, then Jesus, it says, he frankly said, Lazarus is dead. That doesn't seem to us looking from the outside. That sure doesn't seem like a lot of compassion going on there, does it? Yeah, Lazarus, he's, he's dead. Let's go see him. And so they go on this, this day-long journey, I guess, and at least a day long. They get there, and, and, and Lazarus, he's in the tomb. And it says, then when Mary was come to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Here's Mary down at his feet weeping. Jesus is looking over and there's the Jews that were friends of Lazarus and they're over near the tomb and they're weeping. And, and it says, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And the Jews said, behold, how he loved him. And, and, and the story goes, he told him to roll away the stone. And he, he says, Lazarus, come forth. And the miraculous happened again. This is what gets me, Brother Kevin. Three days ago, Jesus knew that Lazarus was dead. What was it that, that moved him with compassion? It wasn't the fact that Lazarus, his friend, had died. He was not moved by that. It says, when Jesus saw Mary and those others... Weeping, he groaned in the spirit. And he was troubled, not by the fact that Lazarus was dead, but by the fact that those other people loved Lazarus. When he saw their love, his compassion moved in him. That was what troubled him. 
That is what caused him to release the miraculous. When he saw them moved, he couldn't stay still. He could stay still over here three days, not moved. But when he saw their tears, when he saw their love, when he saw their compassion, he could not stay silent, he could not stay still. He was moved to the visible compassion and action in response to their weeping. Don't be ashamed when you weep over souls. How many's ever how many's ever cried when you prayed? How many's ever been felt like you were heartbroken and moved to prayer? And, and sometimes, Brother Tommy, it's it, it's almost like Hannah, where she wept and 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 the priest didn't even know what to do with her. She wept and she cried. Somebody saw those tears, didn't they? And the miraculous is released in her life. The Bible says, "They that sow in tears shall." Reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bearing his sheaves with him. But what brings those tears? It's a compassion that you feel for somebody else. It's the compassion that you feel for that that wayward spouse. It's the compassion that you feel for that child that's sick. It's compassion that moves God. Why? Because faith is transmitted through a channel called love. I know that there are many needs represented here tonight. We didn't take a lot of time earlier in the service to pray for specific needs, but I want to do that tonight. I want us to stand to our feet. I just felt to do this as I was in prayer this morning. It, Meredith, if you'll come, just you. We just, just, just play some, some uh, keystrokes there in the background. This is probably, I've probably mentioned this three or four times, but I, I want to mention this again. We have this sort of, I guess it's a tradition, Sister Doris, in the, in the Pentecostal church, that when somebody has a need, like if, 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 you're, if your sister someplace outside this building has a need, we'll say, you, I want to stand in prayer for them. And uh, Brother Jim, I don't have any Bible for that. I can't find any Bible anywhere for that and I'm not endorsing doing things that you don't have Bible for it's prayer I don't think there's anything magical about Sister Lindsay stand in prayer for so I don't, I don't think there's anything super spiritual about that but here's what I do think happens whenever you say I want to stand in place of my loved one pray for them they have cancer pray for them they've got whatever Pray for them. They're away from God. Your love that you have for them becomes this huge conduit for the faith of God to flow through. And how many can testify? You know that whenever that happens, there is a witness of the Spirit. It's different than when we say, let's, let's pray for Brother John. And we all stand where we are and pray. And that's wonderful and that's great. But whenever Brother Jeff says, I, I need to pray for my brother John, and we lay hands on him, there's a witness of the Spirit. Why? It's because faith is energized by love. It's that love that you have for that individual. So right now, here's, here's what I feel to do. Uh, we're, we're not going to pray for... 
well, I don't want to say that. It's hard to tell what we'll end up praying for. But if you've got a need that somebody else in this building has a need and you're willing to come to the front and we'll lay hands on you and we'll pray for that need because you have love for that individual, I want to invite you to the front. If you've got someone that you love that is away from God and you desperately desire for God to touch their life, I want you to come to the front of this church. I want all the ministry to go down in the, in the altar area. If you feel comfortable, church, if you feel comfortable gathering around, I want you to get everybody that will come to the front.